Do critics of Joseph Smith judge him on today's standards? And if so, is that a fair way to judge him? We're going to talk about that next on Polygamy. What love is this? Those in Mormonism who defend Joseph Smith's morality or immorality, as it were, especially regarding his polygamy and marrying teenage girls, often accuse his critics of judging him unfairly because they say it's wrong to hold him to today's standards of behavior. <clears throat> We've been accused of this very thing. I've received emails and phone calls. I don't know if you have, but I sure have. No, not about. And and they express dismay that we accuse Joseph Smith of being a pedophile for marrying two 14-year-old girls. Their claim is that in Joseph Smith's day, it was normal. It wasn't unusual for 14-year-old girls to be married. Now, this response by defenders of Joseph Smith fits well into the topic of an article that uh, we ran into, so we decided to go through the article and point out some of the author's arguments. It's very good arguments, I think. <laughs> yeah. Actually, when people say that we're judging, uh, we're unfairly judging Joseph Smith by using contemporary standards, they are revealing their own prejudices, their lack of historical knowledge, and their tendency to hold Joseph Smith to lower standard than even their own Mormon church holds them to. It reveals their notion that whatever Joseph Smith did, it was right just because he was Joseph Smith. Actually, we're going to quote from two articles on this topic, one by Tal Backman and the other one by Randy Jordan. <clears throat> and we begin with a valid question about morality, one that applies to any culture that is slightly, even slightly influenced by biblical standards. The question is this. Good questions. Is it a cultural standard for a man in his mid to late 30s, one who claims to be a spokesman for God, to have sexual encounters with teenage girls and married women and other females with whom he has not been married according to the civil laws of marriage in his geographic location? Good question. It's a yeah, valid question. Sure is. <clears throat> is it a cultural standard then? Is it a cultural standard now? Right. Because that's the whole question. Actually, the moral standards of the United States in the early 1800s were more strict. They were more Victorian, sure. as it were, yeah. uh, than are today's moral standards. And so if we're gu uh, guilty of unfairly judging Joseph Smith using today's standards, he actually comes out smelling a little bit less of a predator <laughs> than if his actions are based on the standards of his own generation. We yeah, quote. quote here. <laughs> the tendency of Joseph's defenders is to claim that his modern critics are judging him unfairly by holding him to today's standards of behavior. In fact, the opposite is true. And we're going to talk about that, why that's the case. The fact that the opposite is true. It is true. And, and to, the, to, because today's morality is much more loose yeah, or looser, looser. I don't know which is the best, than, uh, than it was then. And, and we do have the obligation, by the way, to judge Joseph Smith's behavior. Jesus said, judge with the right judgment. That means judge, not hypocritically, but using biblical standards. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to look at a couple of thoughts from the articles, which we think were very good points and need to be considered in any judgment of Joseph Smith. In recent years, Mormon leadership itself has declared that our present morality is in the fallen state. That means it's worse. Yes. 
And it says, from, quoting him, society has fallen from a far superior moral state, and we now live in an era characterized by shockingly loose morals, where chastity is denigrated and mocked, where traditional family units are under threat as never before, and where sexual anarchy appears to be a possibility, etc. Okay, so if they can say that, then, then the standards of today are less than they were so. then. Yeah. So the question coming out of the article, the valid question is this, is illegitimacy, immodesty, sexual looseness, um, experimentation, promiscuity, are they more acceptable now than they were in Joseph Smith's time? Were their values on a higher level than they are today? Now, there has always been sinful behavior. That's, that, that's not the point. And it's been in all cultures through, the, through time. But as we said earlier, history shows that the morality values of the early 1800s were much more strict than today. Yeah. So Joseph Smith does set, end up smelling more like a rose if he is judged by today's standards. In fact, if our judgment of him is based on early 1800 standards, modern critics are not judging him harshly enough. Here's a great observation. Who do these church defenders think would, be, would best be in a position to judge Joseph according to the standards of his own time other than the people who lived in his own time? And how did they judge him? They assassinated him. <laughs> they drove Joseph's treasonous band of fanatics out of the United States. And before that, they chased Joseph out of area after area. And why? Because Joseph's church was the only true church, and Satan wanted to destroy it. Okay, that's, <laughs> that's, what, the they, that's what they say now. <laughs> yeah. But that isn't why. Satan was not trying to destroy the only true church. But there are other possibilities. Yeah, more likely. And probabilities that he suggested that are worth considering, and we agree. Perhaps Joseph Smith was just a storyteller. Maybe he wasn't a seer or a prophet. Maybe he did not meet up with Peter, James, and John. And perhaps Joseph really didn't have those supernatural experiences where he claimed he had the visions and the gold plate discovery and carrying the heavy gold through the woods as he's being chased by people and meeting a murdering angel with a uh, flaming sword and all of these stories. Anyone can discover if Joseph Smith really spoke for God. By studying the Bible. It's that easy. God has given us the Bible as the one permanent and unchangeable measure for truth. So no one will ever have the excuse that they were deceived with no way out. Also, knowing early Mormon religious history helps a person know that during these times, during the times of Joseph Smith, our country was overflowing with new religious ideas. New religions were invented. Old religious ideas and pagan religions were renewed, all of them claiming the particular favor of God. And just how many religions can really be the only true church? But as the article notes, most of these new ideas and new religions were actually tolerated by Americans during that time. The truth isn't to be feared, but Joseph Smith's religion was not tolerated. Why? (laughs) Why were they afraid of Joseph Smith and his Mormonism? Everywhere Joseph Smith went, he gave the finger to American law, American tradition, American mores, American culture, everything that is in his own time regarded as sacred and necessary. 
And as a consequence, everywhere he went, almost everyone got totally sick of him and his band of deluded, obedient followers. The illegal banking, the vigilantes, the false prophecies, the mockery of a religion most Americans thought true, the block voting, the occultism, the furtive sexcapades, the shameless public lying, the destruction of others' private property, the delusions of grandeur, God is my right-hand man and I have no law, etc., announcing others' people's property belonging to the saints by divine right, etc. And this is just an example yeah. of why Americans would not tolerate Joseph Smith's religion. They likely feared Joseph Smith's declaration uh, that all marriages were null and void if they had not been performed by, by authorized Mormon priesthood authority. Yeah. And, of course, his spiritual wifery or polygamy, which likely produced more anger and fear of Mormonism than all of Joseph Smith's other teachings. We have some questions that need to be asked of those who defend Joseph Smith's polygamous behavior. Have you ever considered the following facts? Yeah, this is Randy Jordan. Polygamy was illegal in Joseph Smith's day. Smith desperately tried to keep his polygamy teachings and practices secret and denied them to his dying day. Smith and his fellow polygamists viciously attacked and slandered people who tried to expose their secret polygamy practice. These historical facts tell us that Smith's sexual behavior was anything but standard for his time. <laughs> and that's why. Okay. Now, I know people, there are, there are people who might be watching this, who, who love Joseph Smith, who love Mormonism, whether it's polygamy or, or LDS, not just get angry when, how can they say this about him? They're lies. Yeah. But we want you to check it out because it's in the history books. These things are there for you to find out for yourself if they're true or not. And I think you quoted this a couple of weeks ago about the curiosity being an important factor, you know. <laughs> yeah. Be curious. Do yeah. a little research. Right. Don't be a lazy learner. as uh, President That's right. Or don't says. be afraid to learn. Yeah. Don't be afraid because fear has, uh, uh, the truth has nothing to fear. Nothing That's right. to fear. So, so be curious. And even worse, during uh, all these antiques that the LDS were doing in those early Mormon days, is that they advised the people to lie and deceive. In an article in the church publication, Messenger and Advocate, we quote Sidney Rigdon acknowledged that Parley P. Pratt advised church leaders how to support Joseph Smith and advised we must lie to support Brother Joseph. It is our duty to do so. There you go. Yeah. Explain how lying, how a liar can be trusted. Explain how God condones lies and liars. Explain, if you can, today's standards of ethical behavior. Um, uh, the judges liars more harshly uh, than liars were judged in the 1800s. <laughs> But let's look at some of the other behaviors and attitudes and activities that Joseph Smith's religion produced in his own members. And again, determine if the standards of today are more strict than it was in those days. For those totally dependent on what their own farms could produce for sustenance and the preservation of property laws with disaster and death never seeming very far, Joseph and his followers appeared to pose a danger. Like their livestock, starting, start going missing because Sidney Rigdon and Orson Hyde started, start talking about how everything around them properly belongs to Zion. 
like their civil institutions being overtaken by religious voting blocs. Now you know how local Missourians might have felt like their sisters and wives getting hit on by the prophet. And they did all these things. Yeah. They actually did. They thought the Mormons had the right to anything and they would go and try and take it. Yeah. So some of their persecution uh, was started by themselves. Now the article of this author said, and we agree, that defenders of Joseph Smith should be grateful <laughs> if critics are judging him by today's standards rather than those of the early 1800s. He presents some of the events that took place because of Joseph Smith's personal sexual revolution, particularly when a mob actually attempted castration of Joseph Smith. It's not likely that today's moral standards re would result in that kind that's of true. judgment, <laughs> but that's how the people of his day judged him. They also dabbed tar on him and then opened up a feathered pillow and poured out the feathers on him. And, and that was then. We don't judge sexual offenders that harshly today. No, unfortunately, sometimes. <laughs> now let's look at Smith's sexual conduct that resulted in some interesting judgments by his own contemporaries and compare if he has judged more harshly then or now. Okay, it was not considered proper in 1840s America for a foster father to secretly have sex with his teenage foster daughters, and Joseph did that twice, both with the Lawrence and Partridge sisters. It was not considered proper for a self-proclaimed religious pastor to secretly have sex with his housemaids. It was not considered proper for anyone, let alone a prophet, who had publicly banned polygamy in his church charter, to secretly proposition other men's wives, even telling them that unless he could marry them, an angel would murder him. Very convenient. It was not considered proper for any man to slander women who rejected their sexual advances, as Joseph did with Nancy Rigdon and Sarah Pratt. It was not considered proper for any 38-year-old to secretly have sex with a 14-year-old and in so doing consign her to a life of loneliness devoid of love. The truth is, according to the standards of the time, Joseph's character must be and was regarded by most as nothing short of loathsome. Okay, so the standards of the 1840s, the 1830s and 40s <laughs> are not looser no. than they are today. No. And Mormon church leaders willingly uh, then and knowingly violated the law by promoting and practicing polygamy while at the same time hiding and denying it. Is that loose standards, strong standards? But to, to, to stack evil upon evil, they publicly destroyed the character of females yeah. who refused to be taken in by their proposals and who threatened to expose their secret lives of polygamy. Hmm. The 27 August 1842 WASP, for example, branded, Marth, branded Martha H. Brotherton a mean harlot and Nancy Rigdon suffered the same treatment after she opposed Smith's polygamous proposals. Jane Law, wife of Smith's counselor William Law, was also blacklisted for rejecting Smith's polyandrous proposal. Does this behavior paint Joseph Smith as a pious man whose extramarital relationships did not violate the standards of his day? Or does it paint him as a deceitful libertine who made deplorable and false character assassinations against his own disciples in order to cover up his illicit and immoral sexual proposals and behavior. 
One more note, everyone is entitled to their own opinions, but not to their own facts. I yeah, like that. That's good, isn't <laughs> yeah. it? Because unfortunately, there's too many people that think their opinion is a fact, and the facts <laughs> come first. More of Joseph Smith's behaviors that were more harshly judged in his own days than it would be today is he hit on a 15-year-old Nancy Miranda Johnson, which was the reason behind his attempted castration. He was in his late 30s when he married 14-year-old Helen Mar Kimball and 14-year-old Nancy Winchester. Now, defenders today said it was normal during that time for young girls to get married. The truth is it was legal if the parents gave permission for young girls to be married or agree to sex, but it was very, very rare. The median age for females to get married was 20 years old, so their defense of Joseph Smith holds no water. <laughs> Does it stand? No. The third reason is Joseph Smith proposed to and married women who were already married. Was that lawful? Was that an acceptable practice in the early 1800s? It's not acceptable today. Defenders come back with the assertion that he didn't have sex with them, but he did. <laughs> Just read Smith's polygamist history in Todd Compton's book In Sacred Loneliness and George D. Smith's book Nauvoo Polygamy. Plus, there are many historical and legal affidavits confirming Joseph Smith had wives sex with many of his wives. But even ignoring the legalities of it all and looking at their own Mormon doctrine by which to judge him, if completely condemns Joseph Smith. Yep. Mormon doctrine condemns him. We read from their own Book of Mormon. Yes, Jacob, chapter 2, verses 30 and 31. For if I will, saith the Lord of hosts, raise up seed unto me, I will command my people. Otherwise they shall hearken unto these things. For behold, I, the Lord, have seen the sorrow and heard the mourning of the daughters of my people in the land of Jerusalem, yea, and in all the lands of my people because of the wickedness and abominations of their husbands. Okay. Mm -hmm. When you read all of Jacob chapter 2, you will discover the context is polygamy. Yep. Many wives and concubines taken by the men. God called it wickedness. He called it abominations. And verse 30 is very clear that if God ever decided to command polygamy, it would be specifically to, to raise up seed, seed for, for to have children. No other reason is ever given uh, by Mormon teachings for a man to take many wives. Another condemnation for Smith is from section 132 of their own doctrine and covenants from their own from his generation. That's right. Verse 61 it says, and again as pertaining to the law of the priesthood, if any man espouse a virgin and desire to espouse another, and the first give her consent, and if he espouse the second and they are virgins and have vowed to no other man, then he is justified. He cannot commit adultery for they are given unto him. For he cannot commit adultery with that that belongeth unto him and to no one else. So there you are. <laughs> there you are. You know? He blew that one out of the that, water. Exactly. <laughs> by the Mormon church's own, uh, own standards, by, by his own revelation, yeah. <laughs> only virgins should be taken as concubines. When he marries a married woman, yeah, that's, uh, it's not likely no, that she's, she's going to be a virgin. A virgin yeah. So based on the LDS Church's own standard, Joseph Smith was an adulterer. 
Based on 1800 standards, he was an adulterer. Based on the 21st century standards, he was an adulterer. So, who is judging who too harshly? (laughs) Another event which puts Joseph Smith into the harsh judgment of the early morality of the early 1800s would uh, probably barely be winked at today, and that's his affair with Fanny Alger. Now, pro-Mormon defenders say that Joseph Smith did not have an affair, but that he had already taken her as a plural wife, so it was okay. But does it matter whether she was a plural wife or just an extramarital sexual dalliance? It was adultery in either case. They were not legally married. Actually, according to Joseph Smith's own claims, celestial sealing in the Mormons, which they invented, (laughs) but it didn't even begin until April of 1836. Yeah, this is a good point. And the timing with Fanny Alger, he couldn't have, it couldn't have been any later than 1835. It was either 1833 or 1835, yeah. this timing with his affair with her, which was before any Mormon claims of authority of plural marriage. And the introduction of the Doctrine and Covenants 132 says it could have been as early as 1831, mm-hmm. which right. may have been Fanny. That's exactly right. Yeah. And that's why they put it there is because of Fanny, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. Therefore, Joseph Smith and Fanny, Fanny could not have been celestially married because it wasn't even given to the Mormons yet. But even further, and here we want to quote from mormonthink.com. Yeah, this should make a Mormon think. Whether Joseph's marriage to Fanny Alger occurred in 1833 or 1835, it was illegal both under the laws of the land and under any theory of divine authority. Plural marriages are rooted in the notion of sealing for time and eternity. It is claimed that the sealing power was restored the 3rd of of April, 1836, when Elijah appeared to Joseph and committed the sealing keys into his hands. Um, From the journal, 1835-1836, the Joseph Smith Papers. Until that time, no one on earth had authority to seal Joseph and Fanny. As a result, his marriage to her was a nullity from the beginning, both in time and eternity, and any sexual relationship he had with her was adulterous. By whose standards, 1830s or today's? Mm-hmm. So <laughs> that his marriage were adulterous is true based on Bible standards as well. That's true, for sure. <laughs> based on civil law of the 1800s and based on Mormon's own doctrines. So who's judging Who? <laughs> him too harshly? Yeah. No marriage outside of civil law marriage were legal marriages, both in the 1800s and in the 21st century. That's, that's just the bottom line. So in judging Joseph Smith by today's standards, as we said earlier, he comes out smelling just a little bit cleaner than the judgment standards of his own generation. But the only standard that counts for eternity is the biblical standard, and it says this. In 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 2, each man should have his own wife, and each woman should have her own husband. That should end the discussion, (laughs) should end it. Sure should. And we're going to end this session today by quoting from the article that inspired this topical discussion. Uh, Again from Tal Backman. My suggestion to Mormon church defenders, stop stop asking modern critics to judge Joseph Smith by the standards of his day. You're only making yourselves look well, blind, in the way that only real delusion can make us look blind. 
If we really needed certain proof that Joseph's church wasn't the only true religion in the world, so true Jesus was a member of it, I think all we'd really need is to examine the arguments made in defense of it. They are enough to make a nine-year-old blush. <laughs> and he says it like it is. Yeah. That is very true. Uh, and there is a lot of delusion yeah. going on in Mormonism, in the doctrine well, of Mormonism. Well, it's isn't it? Just mm -hmm. a, the Bible says it is blind. deluded and blind and... Yeah. Not curious. <laughs> they, they believe the lie rather than loving the truth. Yeah. People have criticized us and advised us not to say anything bad about Joseph Smith because Mormons and polygamists hold him in such high regard that to say anything negative about him will cause them to shut their eyes and ears and refuse to listen. But the Bible tells us to test everything, and testing the truth of Joseph Smith's claims is merely being obedient to God. And obedience also includes speaking the truth in love. Love doesn't hide the truth, it brings it to light. And after testing Joseph Smith's teachings with the Bible and comparing the experiences he claimed to have, the only conclusion possible is that either the Bible is a huge fraud, the God of the Bible is a deceiver and a liar, the Jesus of the Bible was either a liar and an imposter or a candidate for a mental institution. <laughs> or Joseph Smith was the fraud, the deceiver, the liar, and the imposter. It's one or the other because the experiences and revelation Smith claimed he had contradict Bible doctrine and revelation, and it cannot be both ways. And we have chosen to walk in the truth by faith in Jesus Christ and his words. So we must expose Joseph Smith for what he truly was and then invite you to also follow yeah. Jesus instead of Joseph. Hmm. Good words. So <laughs> judging him by today's standards makes him just a little bit less <laughs> of a predator than in those days. Yeah. Things to think about. Thanks, Earl. I surely appreciate yeah, yeah, I, all I, this. I do wish the members of the church would would think a little bit, especially even the polygamists, of course. Uh, just, do you think any of them get to hear your stories? If something, I think some of them secretly get into it. But if something we say, if anything we say, jerks them into some kind of a reality. Well, at least say that can't be right. Or, or as Paul said, provokes them yeah. uh, to study the truth then that's, that's what we want to do. Yeah. That's what we want to do. That's what we pray for, isn't it? <laughs> right, that's what we pray for. Yeah. Thank you. In Isaiah 28, 15, God accused the people of their evil attitude, which was, and he said, that they were, that they made their lives refuge and under falsehood we have hidden ourselves. How appropriately that fits with the lying for the Lord attitude of Mormonism. Both the LDS Church and polygamy groups, early Mormonism set the example of lying for the Lord. They lie to cover up their lies. They have hidden their true doctrine and behaviors under falsehood. But God sees, he sees it all. And his true kingdom is not hidden under falsehood. His true kingdom is not a place of refuge for lies and lying prophets. God forgives, but not without repentance. And repentance is not beating yourself up or allowing others to shame you. It is a change of mind and a change of direction. Jesus came so that we could be forgiven, which means we make the truth our refuge and truthfulness our habit. 
Biblical truth is that polygamy is not God's choice nor His commandment. Monogamy is. And the psalmist said, I have chosen the way of truth. And we pray you'll do the same. Thank you for watching. This has been the audio podcast of Polygamy, What Love Is This? with host Doris Hansen. Polygamy, What Love Is This? is produced by A Shield and Refuge Ministry. More information on this program, including the video version of it, can be found at whatloveisthis.tv. If you have any questions or need help getting free from Mormon fundamentalism, write us at contact at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 1-800-877-425-9993.